Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2022. The Suspension of Disbelief. Sometimes called willing suspension of disbelief, is the intentional avoidance of critical thinking or logic in examining something unreal or impossible in reality, such as work of speculative fiction in order to believe it for the sake of enjoyment. And this is what the Democrats have been doing about Trump since he got elected. And they use, actors use this or directors use this term. Uh, A good actor will help suspend your disbelief. And this is what's going on today with the, the Democrats, with the J6, with the media regarding Trump. And the clearest example of this is Cassidy Hutchinson. She testified. Well, first of all, this is a girl that was 23 years old at the time. And I think about 26 years old when she testified. And I'm using the term girl because 30, 40 years ago, somebody 23 years, 226 years old, was considered a woman. But I do not believe in today's society that someone this age is mature. And that's why I'm calling her a girl. So Cassidy Hutchinson testifies. They had a special hearing, an emergency hearing, because Cassidy Hutchinson, a low-level clerk in the White House, had something special to say. So here's essentially what she had to say. Trump threw his lunch plate at the wall. And Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of his limousine known as the beast and lunged at the secret service agents who tried to stop him and the democrats and the media are up in arms oh my god this man should not be president he shouldn't run for president again do you really believe that and the only way you are going to believe this story this whole j6 hearing if there is a suspension of disbelief going on in your mind because you want this to be true and let's talk a little bit about cassidy cassidy from reports left the White House, and has not had a full-time job since then. And apparently she wanted to work for Trump in Mar-a-Lago, but was denied. So we've got a disgruntled employee or disgruntled potential employee going on here. And then the other thing, too, she probably sat back and said, oh, my cat, I can't get a job. Trump doesn't want me. Don't, nobody wants me. What's the easiest thing to do if you want to be part of the swamp? You attack Trump. And that's what she did. She created these stories or twisted these stories in order to get herself on TV and hopefully find some type of employment with these anti-Trumpers. Unfortunately, Cassidy, I just hope it doesn't work out for you. Because what you did is immature. What you did is petty and spiteful. And quite frankly, I would never want to hire somebody like that. Because you see, it's impossible for a president from the back of his limousine to reach through any place within the interior of the limousine, known as the beast, and grab the steering wheel. It's just impossible. There's a barrier there between where the president sits and where the driver sits. And then he's going to 
grab the Secret Service and curse the Secret Service agent out? Now, the Secret Service uh, already said that they're willing to testify to say that everything Cassidy Hutchinson said about this incident is a lie. The media, they don't care, and these Trump haters don't care, because it's all about the suspension of disbelief, sometimes called the willing suspension of disbelief. And that's what the J6 committee is doing, and that's what the media is doing. And that's why Trump is going to win next time, because this whole suspension of disbelief or the willing uh, suspension of disbelief can only take you so long. Now, for the Democrats, there's probably a good 40% that's going to be in that suspension, that alternate universe. But for the rest of the world, they're going to figure it out. And they're going to find out that this whole J6 hearing is just another get Trump venue. So we shall see on on this. You know, the the funny thing is, is that, you know, they're so predictable, the media and these operatives. You know, they're out there saying, oh, Trump is finished. And I wish I had a nickel. I literally wish I had a nickel every time I heard that. Trump is finished. Here comes DeSantis. And they're pushing DeSantis. These operatives are pushing DeSantis. And what I mean by the operatives, the media, these uh, rhinos. Look, I like DeSantis. I think he's going to be president one day. But he's not going to be Trump. Now, I've heard rumors that Trump is in nearby Bedminster, New Jersey, and talking to his advisors to see if he wants to announce his run for the presidency before the primaries. So we shall, we shall see about that one. But, you know, this is all coordinated. You've got, you know, you've got like the Drudge Report. They're, it's saying that, oh, DeSantis is only down by nine points in some poll. You got them making a big thing about Joe Rogan saying, oh, he likes the idea of DeSantis. Now, here's the thing that these people don't realize. And I don't, I don't think I should offer it up, but I am going to do it. These people don't realize that Republicans and Trump voters aren't enamored with the Joe Rogan types. And this is always the funniest thing about Democrats. Democrats love celebrity people. They think celebrity people have a much greater influence over America than they really do. Oh, we've got, you know, we've got Alec Baldwin behind us. And I know this from experience. They're enamored with celebrity. They think celebrity gets them more votes. They think celebrity will bring them a chunk of votes in. And MAGA and Trumpers don't play into that game. Rogan's opinion is his opinion. We got our own opinion. May differ, and I'll determine whether I like you or not. But they're making this big, oh, Joe Rogan is now with DeSantis. Big deal. Okay, good. So what? I was watching some talking head on one of these shows, and they say, oh, see, Joe Rogan said it. In my neighborhood, Joe Rogan is very popular. Well, good. That's your neighborhood. Probably a Democratic neighborhood. But Trumpers, MAGA, they're not influenced by these talking heads. They're not influenced by Joe Rogan types. They couldn't care less if Bruce Springsteen supports whomever. Just remember, they have one vote. You have one vote. They may have a larger sounding board, but still one vote they have. 
So we shall see. And I just want to parlay this into a poll that came out today. And it's, well, let me read the article. It's from Just the News. And, you know, it just plays into the fact that this J6 hearing, everything that's coming out of Washington today is just, you know, fake. It's unreal. And people are fed up with it. And uh, the article is here. It's from, uh, again, it's from Just the News. And the uh, and it says here, about 28% of voters so alienated with government think soon be necessary to take up arms, according to a survey. And it says here, more than one in four U.S. voters are so alienated from their government that they believe it may soon be necessary to take up arms against it, according to a new survey. 28% of the 1,000 registered U.S. voters in the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics survey released Thursday agreed and said yes to the question. In a partisan breakdown, one in three Republicans and independent voters held that view. Compared to one in five Democrats, the survey also found. The findings come amid the televised Democratic-led committee's hearings on the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot, which is focused in large part on whether former President Donald Trump and members of his inner circle helped incite the riot. The survey was led by Republican pollster Neil Newhouse and Democratic pollster Joel Benenson. So the Institute said that the survey was designed to probe polarization and its relationship to the news sources upon which Americans rely in a fractionalized media environment. The portrait that it paints reveals not only the growing divides we have witnessed in recent years, but strong sentiments that the majority of media outlets contribute to these divisions by intentionally misleading their audiences to promote a political point of view, the Institute said. So this is where we are. The, the, the Democrats in the mainstream media are pushing this. They're pushing the alienation of the American voter. And they're doing this because they are losing. And as a result, they want chaos. So just be aware of this. And I think one of my earlier episodes, I had mentioned that I think it was forty-four percent. And this was a, a uh, and this poll was done by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And uh, in it, it said that uh, forty, I think forty-four percent of young Democratic men were okay with sass- assassinating people of the opposite opinion. And this divide and this breakage we're having in American society is because of the mainstream media and the Democratic Party. They are losing the battle for the American minds, so they are trying to wreck the American mind. And we needed somebody like Donald Trump to shake things up. And the more people like Trump push back, the more desperate the media gets, the more desperate the Democratic Party gets. And out of their desperation... They create chaos. So just remember that. Okay, I just want to talk a little bit about the uh, Supreme Court's decision uh, regarding the EPA and greenhouse gases. Essentially what the Supreme Court did is it cut the wings of the EPA. 
And let me just go to an article here. And this is from the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. And it says here, in the EPA ruling, the court's majority argued that the Clean Air Act did not give the EPA the authority to make broad regulation limiting greenhouse gas emissions from power plants. Only Congress has that power, they argued. And the Supreme Court was correct. These bureaucrats in the EPA and other federal agencies and state agencies, they take these powers given to them by the elected bodies and they just expand them. And it just so happens that the Democrats are supportive of giving these bureaucrats vast powers, vast powers that weren't identified in the initial legislation. And throughout the years, and I think I mentioned this on my first or second episode, that the uh, administrative state is dangerous to you and to me. And it's an integral part of the deep state. What I mentioned is that these departments, they hire their own administrative law judges to rubber stamp policies that to make to give it the appearance that they're legal. And what's happened over the years is the Supreme Court rarely took up cases that challenged these decisions by these bureaucracies. And they used this term, it's called the judicial deference. They relied on the administrative law judges that were hired by these departments to make decisions on whether policies were legal or not. And it's so refreshing to see the Supreme Court take this up and say, wait a second, no, you guys have too much authority. The only people that have the authority to make these kind of regulations on greenhouse gases are the elected officials. You just can't hire, you know, you can't pass legislation that says, okay, bureaucrat, you make the decision. That's not a democracy. Particularly when these positions, these bureaucratic positions are filled with people with agendas. So again, it was quite, quite refreshing to see this, and it was an important decision. You, might, you may not feel it today, but you're going to f- feel the ramifications of this decision for years and years and years, and it's for the betterment of this country. Now, the other interesting thing, too, is Elena Kagan, in her dissenting opinion, she referenced that, well, because of this opinion, the East Coast could be underwater one day. I, I, there's no science to that. There's no, there's, there's no conclusive science that the East Coast is going to be underwater. And I think that's concerning that a Supreme Court justice has that opinion. Just fake science. So with that said, it was a really good decision. It was a really, really good decision by the Supreme Court. And we should be happy for it. You know, I hate to pat myself on the back, but I've been doing this over this, uh, whether the United States is in a recession or not. And, you know, since the beginning of my podcast, I think I started in February, I've been saying that the United States will sooner rather than later go into recession. And this is before all these talking heads were saying the same thing. Me and a few other people were saying that the U.S. was getting into a recession. Technically, what a recession is, is two back-to-back quarters of negative GDP growth. And that's the generally accepted definition of a recession. So the first quarter, we had a negative 1.6 contraction of our economy. And 
the GDP now, which is a running tally of where the second quarter GDP is going to be, and that's, run, uh, that's done by the um, Atlanta Fed. They just came out yesterday and said that expect, expect a contraction of the U.S. economy of 2.1% for the second quarter. So there you have it. You have our generally accepted definition of a recession. And again, I was right, but I'm not taking any kudos for it because many other like-minded people thought the same thing. But you would never hear it in the mainstream media. You would never hear it from these talking heads that you see on TV all the time. So here's the interesting thing I just want to give you a heads up about. You will have these talking heads, CNBC, Bloomberg, whomever, they're going to ignore this. They're going to try to change the narrative or, or, or to push the envelope. They're going to say, well, you know, it's not really a recession, not according to my metrics. You know, it's, uh, you know, you need uh, three or four quarters of descending uh, consumer spending and the cockthroat grows three times, then uh, that's my metric. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to continue to say, well, maybe it's not really that bad. All these cheerleaders, all these people that don't want to be real, they just want to see an exploding stock market, they're, they're the ones that are going to change the metric. You watch. Watch this. See how many times when the official number comes out for GDP for the second quarter and it's negative? You watch them change. Oh, it's not a real recession. My, my metrics say something different. It's all about obfuscation. It's all about not being real. It's all about suspending disbelief. And we are not getting any help from Biden on this. And what I want to do is I just want to go to a clip of Brian Deese. Brian Deese is an economic advisor to Joe Biden. So we're likely in the recession. We've got $5 a gallon gasoline. We've got inflation. And this administration is doing nothing to help us. So again, let's go to this clip, a clip with Brian Deese. So Brian Deese was asked by CNN, it was one of the CNN talking heads about, well, it's $5 gasoline. What are you, what are you going to do about it? And let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Is it sustainable? What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. Well, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. And what the Biden administration was saying to you is, screw you. What they've been trying to do is uh, play up this narrative that, uh, oh, inflation is high, gasoline prices are high because of Putin. We all know that it hasn't. Inflation was high, gasoline prices were high before the war started. But Biden keeps on pushing this fake narrative. Suspend your disbelief. But this guy, Deese, is just, to me, he's reckless. Screw you. You're going to live with $5 gallon gasoline. Because we have to protect the liberal order, the globalists. So you deplorable people, yeah, you pay for it. And this whole thing is going to collapse on them. Mark my word. If they're going to push for continued high gasoline prices. Again, we know why gasoline prices are high. Just Look what Biden did in his first few months. Keystone Pipeline, no new leases. Just remember those two things, and that has a big impact.
But here's what they're willing to live with. They're willing to live with high gasoline prices. They're willing to live with this inflation. They're willing to not have your kids get their baby formula. You're going to see a deeper recession. And the question is, is how deep it's going to be and how long it's going to be. Because when I was saying it's going to happen sooner or later, you had all these Wall Streeters and these other talking heads, oh, it's going to happen in 2023. Well, maybe even with their metrics, this will extend into 2023. We just don't know right now. Nobody knows right now because everything is a mess. There is nothing normal about this market. There's nothing normal about what's been done to this country since 2008. So we shall see. Okay, let's take a look at the markets before I go. One thing I wanted to point out about the market uh, this year is that this is the worst performing six months, first six months of the stock market since 1970. The Dow was up 1.05% to 31,097.26. Year to date, the Dow is down 14.42%. The S&P was up today. It was up one6 0.6% to 3,825.33. Year-to-date, the S&P is down 19.74%. And the NASDAQ was up today 0.9% to 11,127.85. And year-to-date, the NASDAQ is down 28.37%. The 10-year bond fell 8.5 basis points to 2.889. That, that was a big fall today for the 10-year. Now, you have to understand is that I think the market, at least the bond market, took this, and took this recession number from the GDP Now website that's run by the Atlanta Fed and pushed down the yield on the 10-year. The markets like to look at the 10-year, and a lot of instruments pivot off of the 10 years. It, the 10-year bond is a very important bond. Uh, for example, mortgages uh, pivot off the 10-year bond. So today it was down, and because everything has to do with interest rates right now, whether if interest rates are going up, the market goes down. If interest rates are going down, the market goes up. That's the simplified world that we're living in right now with the stock market. And here's why the stock market is ultimately going to uh, fail with that uh, perspective is because the Fed has already said that they're going to to do everything to uh, stop inflation, and that just means rising in- interest rates. So that's where we are. So right now, there's no indication that the Fed is going to pull back on its interest rate increases, and you know today it's just a slight reprieve. So you know, take it for what it is. So let's take a look at oil futures, and it is 9.20 in the evening on July 1st, 2022. So oil futures are trading at $108.46 per barrel, and that's WTI. Uh, Gold futures are trading at $1,812.90 per ounce, and silver futures are trading at $19.85 per ounce. Bitcoin is right now trading at $19,230.90. Ethereum is trading at $1,055.93. And XRP is trading at $0.31. So with that said, listen, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you on Tuesday.